I'm Brent Kermelitic and thanks for listening to Talking Architecture and Design brought to you in association with the Architecture and Design Network. You can catch up with news, projects, interviews and much more at architectureanddesign.com.au where you can also subscribe to our newsletters and magazine. Welcome to Talking Architecture and Design. My name is Brent Kermelitic and recently I had the honour of visiting a Mervec apartment, a brand new Mervec apartment actually, uh, that featured flooring, wall tiles, kitchen and lighting features and even furniture and artwork of all things made entirely from waste, glass and textiles, which I've got to say offers a very optimistic view, view into the um, future of residential building and the construction sector. Uh, the so-called smart apartment was uh, Mervac's um, industry first apartment that was unveiled recently at Sydney's Olympic Park. Uh, it was made using waste materials and this concept has the potential to revolutionise home construction as well as reducing waste massively in the building industry which by the way uh, adds about 25% uh, of all waste or of all landfill rather I, sh I should say in Australia. Um, so I had the honour of speaking with uh, Professor Vina Sahajwala from the University of uh, New South Wales uh, who led the, um, this, uh, this, this, this concept as well as Diana Sarcasmo from um, Mervac. So here is my interview. And today we have a special guest in the form of Diana Sarcasmo, General Manager of Design, Marketing and Sales Residential at Mervac. Welcome to Talking Architecture and Design, Diana. Thank you, Branko. It's great to be here. And here is the pavilions by Mervac in the smart apartment, apparently, what you call it, which is a very interesting apartment because quite a bit of it seems to be made from waste materials. So, Diana, can you tell me a bit more about this apartment? Yeah, so this apartment is really exciting. Mervac have partnered with the University of New South Wales Smart Centre with Vina and um, and her team there. And what we've created is an apartment that uses, you know, our splashback, bench tops, light fittings, feature walls, lamps have all been made from recycled glass and fabrics. That's Venus Hajwala, isn't it? That's who we know well here. That is correct. Um, there is only one. There is only one. There certainly is. She was uh, featured on Australian Story recently, was she not? She was, and it was a fantastic episode, and um, I think it really shows her depth of thinking and just her upbringing about not wanting to waste anything. Which is interesting you say that, because the uh, build, building and construction sector wastes, well, it contributes up to 25%, roughly, depending on whose figures you use, of, of, of our waste. So this is a great idea, and you guys at Mervac have actually a bit of form here, don't you? Because there is a, there was the Marrick... Um, American Co-apartment. American Co-apartment, yeah. sorry, thank you, at Marrickville, which is the, the old Marrickville Hospital, wasn't it? That's right. So, yeah, the, we first um, partnered with Vina at American Co, which is at Marrickville, in the heart of Marrickville, and um, we first started working with her on, you know, tiles and some materials, and um, it's been 18 months now since then, and we've spent the last 18 months developing products that we could use in, the, in construction. Which is really interesting. So... The difference between this smart apartment and, and American Co is that a lot of the waste uh, products are being used actually in the structural part here, aren't they? Um, can you please go through some of the some of the uh, areas where waste has, has been used? Yeah, sure. So, in the kitchen, um, the splashback in the kitchen has been um, created from the use of fabrics, fabrics that um, that were waste and were going to landfill. So it was about creating 
um, materials that um, that could use, you know, sorting through the different colours of the fabric to get the actual design and the features that we were after. And then it was really a matter of working with the Mervac design team and the construction team to work out how do we make these materials not only just beautiful, but also, um, you know, pass all the standards and tests, including fire resistance, slip resistance, acoustic testing, and then as well pass all the Mervac tests to ensure that they're going to be, you know, robust materials that will stand the test of time. So these are basically all still pilot programs, aren't they? Um, is there a plan to commercialise this eventually? Yeah, absolutely, and that is the aim. I think, you know, to to make a really big impact in, on the environment and to reach Mervac's target of zero waste by 3030, it is about commercialising this and this is all that this is the test case to prove that it can be done and we've had just so much interest from the industry as well, which is great because that's what it's going to require. We need everyone to jump on board. So that's uh, in nine years' time, by 2030, yeah, you're, you, Mervac wants to go to zero waste. Um, does that require a lot of re-engineering of processes in, in, in the company? Yes, it does. And at American Co, we managed to recycle 90% of all the waste from that site. And um, to get down to zero, I think, you know, to get to 90 is be pretty hard, but that last 10% is quite difficult. So that is, you know, our biggest challenge and we're well on our way to sort of trying to, you know, get that down to zero. It is an aspirational figure, that, that nine years. Um, is it, uh, how would I say, what does it actually mean in terms for, for from from a company-wide perspective? Because that actually, like in my mind, it, it would mean you'd have to actually re. Would you not have to re-engineer your all your all, every whichever way every way you have to build a building is what I'm trying to say. Yeah, we do, and um, and a lot of it starts with the design team. So it's making sure we're choosing products um, and sizing, so there is no offcuts and making sure that um, every sort of material that we do choose can be recycled. Okay, so when I look at where, where we are, for example, where we're speaking now, there's, there's a table apparently made out of, out of beer bottles, which I'm sure I've contributed this table in some way, shape or form. But um, what are some of the other products that we can use? Like there are tiles that, that, are, that are obviously what you call green ceramics, I believe is the term, terminology you use. There's um, a whole heap of other um, services and substrates that you that you use. Where do they all come from? What kind of waste do you reuse? Well, Vina looks for any sorts of waste. Yeah, she um, certainly does. Yeah. So, um, and but what we can see here today is mainly from fabrics and um, recycled glass, as in clothes, right? Old clothes, um, mattresses, anything, any sort of fabric that she can get her hands on. Okay. So. Is there a limit to what you can reuse or recycle? I don't think there is a limit to what we can recycle. I think it's just finding a use for it. And um, and I think that's where Vino and Smart Factory come in, is to how do you actually transform that product into a new product? Okay, so at the end of the day, it always comes down to money. Okay, so will this in the end, I mean, I know I'm putting you in a difficult position because you probably, you don't know what the final cost will be, but Theoretically, should this not, in the end, mean cheaper apartments because you, the, you're using a lot more waste to, to build the apartment? I mean, theoretically, at least. 
you know, that would be great if it is the outcome. It's something we're definitely aiming for. I think for people to take on sustainable initiatives, it is about making sure that it is also, um, you know, it isn't more expensive so that people do make it as a first choice. Okay, so to go from the, the micro level a bit to the macro level, so part of this pavilions project, there is a build-to-rent component. Can you please explain a bit, a bit about that? Yeah, so there is a build-to-rent component um, of this development here at Pavilions. And what it is, is um, it allows people to rent and um, rent from a, you know, it's not individual landlords, it's an institution, so it's Mervac. And what that means is people can, you know, have long leases, um, you know, we allow pets and there is fantastic facilities for them to use as well. Okay, so is this a new... Is this where Murbeck is going in the future or is, or is, is this uh, just a temporary thing or is, is this sort of more of a long-term plan? It's definitely a long-term plan and the team have a lot more apartments in cities in Brisbane and Melbourne um, that we do have in the pipeline, but this is definitely the pilot project and it's the first build to rent here. Okay, that's interesting. So are you looking at, at bigger, bigger um, builds uh, than, than you've done so far? Yeah, definitely. And we do want to um, work on how we can use more recycled materials. And I think part of that is we have brought all of our sorting on site with the construction team to make sure all the waste is all sorted before it leaves so it all can be recycled. And the next step would be to build a micro factory on site at our development so that there, you know, so there's no carbon in any of the transport. So when we are manufacturing things, we can manufacture them on site. So not only are you looking at um, eliminating waste, you're looking at single-handedly resurrecting Australia's manufacturing industry. Is that right? We'd like to do that. And today with us, we also have Professor Veena Sahajwala who is an inventor and professor of material science at the Faculty of, so at the Faculty of Science at the University of, of, of New South Wales, Australia. She is the director of the UNSW Smart Centre for Sustainable Materials Research and Technology and an Australian Research Council Laureate Fellow. So welcome to Talking Architecture and Design, Professor Vina Sahajwala. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. Okay, um, the apartment that, that, that we're um, that, that I, I looked at re, looked at today, um, the, the smart apartment, I believe it's called. Um, firstly, please explain what are green ceramics. Yeah, so look, I mean, you know, when when we think about different kinds of materials, you know, it's it's something we never think about combining uh, materials like glass and waste textiles, because I think we we fundamentally see these, and they are, of course, very different. Uh, materials, different applications, and and of course, you know, thinking about how all of this waste that comes out of our homes, you know, our clothes, um, and of course, glass coming from so many different sources, we actually start to imagine basically a situation where if these two were brought together in the form of a whole new recycled and therefore reformed product, then effectively what you've achieved is created a, a hard, you know, durable product that doesn't look anything like its parents. So if I can put it this way, imagine your, your old clothes and glass and you've now through technology, transformed them, thermal transformation, which is what our micro factories are all about, is combining these materials and creating these hard, 
green ceramics. And really it's for obvious reasons um, is a better outcome because ultimately what we are doing is using recycled materials in the production of these ceramics. Okay, so this is not your first time you've collaborated with Novak on, on, um, on using recycled materials in their builds, but this is the first time that recycled materials have been used in the actual, in the actual construction of, of the apartment. Um, can I ask what made you, um, you know, decide to go down this path? Yeah, you know, I mean, when, when you start to think about all the products that go into our built environment, right, and, and right from the early days, um, as you know, I've been developing green steel. So that was an example of, you know, a material that is so difficult. If you think about making of steel, I mean, making of steel is obviously complex and technologically complex. And I think to me, this is where science and engineering comes together in a way that you can build on the foundation of science and create products um, that are fit for purpose. And that's really where, of course, the journey of green ceramics has grown over a period of time, where we constantly look at how science can actually be developed further along. And that journey means that we know we can do better and better when it comes to understanding the products that we make because we see it from the eyes of how this engineered product ultimately can perform. So it's certainly not something that you would do overnight. It is certainly a journey that happens over many years where scientific research that we did here at the Smart Center, of course, indicated quite clearly that when you actually measure its properties of this finished product, that it could actually be fit for purposes like indeed flooring applications. So from our point of view, we knew very well that if we could actually industrialize and of course take our products out of our labs into operations, and this is where of course microfactory comes in, that the gap between the two was more about how do we productionize it? And the productionization was of course the reason why we set up our own microfactories at UNSW and that's really what we've been doing for the last few years, it allowed us to then show that it's absolutely possible to take it out of our labs and put it into an actual production scale facility, which meant that for us, the logical next step was to say, if we can productionize it, if we can achieve the kinds of engineering properties that we know these kinds of products are able to deliver, then there's no stopping us from actually working with you know, amazing partners like Mervac to actually show that together we can actually take science and technology and translate that into real world applications. And this is why, you know, I always um, give a lot of credit to uh, people at Mervac for their leadership, for their imagination, and really their ability to, to show that businesses partnering with research organizations um, can actually take on collaboratively this whole new domain of what our future should look like the future where we can actually take waste resources, convert them into high performance engineered products and then put them into application. Okay, well that's, that's actually fascinating. So without going to any proprietary information, just what kind of things do you actually recycle? Now, I know beer bottles, which is one of my favourite ones, I guess. I think I've, I think I've contributed to, to that apartment in one way, one way or, or another. But what You feel a lot better, right? Because now you know someone's actually doing something with those beer bottles. <laughs> a 
also if I feel much better because I know I'm helping, I'm helping uh, with the world in you know, a sustainable economy. Absolutely. <laughs> but what kind of other materials uh, do you actually recycle? And is there actually a limit to what you can recycle and what you can't recycle? Mm. Yeah, no, look, that's a really, really good question. Because I think to me, when we start to ask the question of what's recyclable and what's not recyclable, I think to me, we shouldn't be actually putting something in the, oh, this is not recyclable basket too soon. Because I think every product that we use in our everyday lives, you know, whether it's our electronic devices, whether it's the, the humble beer bottle, um, you know, our, our textiles, in all of these cases, we probably need to imagine a future where technological advancements have not yet kept up from a recycling and a reforming perspective. Yes, we know how to make it in the first place. We all use these products. But when what we don't know after that is how do we recycle and reform them into a whole new engineered product? And this is where, of course, the, the challenge is that we are sometimes too fast in making that call and saying, oh, look, you know, this is not recyclable. And actually, that may not quite be the case because what we haven't explored are these multiple pathways. Yes, some pathways are the more traditional conventional recycling pathways, right? A PET water bottle becoming a new PET water bottle. When you can do that, of course, it makes absolutely perfect sense to pursue those conventional recycling like-for-like -like conversion, right? But when you know you've got rather complex materials that might be hybrids and blends, you know, we do need to then start to imagine this whole pathway that says, look, okay, I may not be able to take my um, you know, textiles back into those individual fibers of different kinds of fibers that are synthetic and, and natural fibers. But sometimes it may be possible, but not economically viable. So I think it's also about bearing in mind, not just the technical feasibility, but the economic feasibility of what you want to achieve out of those materials. So quite often we end up kind of putting them in the basket of, oh, it's too hard. Right. But I think what we're really talking about here is that if you could reform these materials into new products and they were still products that were engineered, they were durable, like in this case, we're talking about green ceramics. Um, there are no limits to our imagination. I think the fundamental basis that we have to address first and foremost is the fundamental science and technology. And of course, then to, to think about the translation of that into practice, right? Which means you do need to have the ability to have manufacturing processes. But this is exactly why our micro factories have showcased that you can actually have a whole new technological advancement in the form of micro factories that can deliver highly engineered products. So, okay, so at the moment, these, this is still in the pilot phase, isn't it, in, in terms of the, the the production of, of the material so it's only a small scale is it not uh, but but our our um, facility that uh, we've been running uh, of course that at UNSW has been um, off the right scale when it comes to being a demonstration yes it's at a university so of course we're not running it uh, in a commercial setting uh, but nevertheless the kinds of modules that we are using um, the modules that we have and this is why of course micro factories, are really the right kind of response when you want to set up you know, a modular system where you can imagine that you can grow your scale depending on the need. And that's why modular systems are so good. So for us, it was much more important at the university to actually show that these different modules were able to do the job in the production. 
the next phase for us um, is really where we've already taken it out into a micro factory out at Kutamandra. And that Kutamandra facility, of course, now is, is basically something that uh, can uh, show that it can be industrialized in, in an actual uh, factory. Um, and, and even better when it can be set up in a regional um, town, um, showing that it makes economic sense to do so. Um, and this is where, of course, um, you know, business opportunities can grow across the supply chain. Okay, so so this can then be scaled up to other infrastructure goods, can't it? So, so in so there, there's a correct me if I'm wrong, but there, there's actually a, a two phase um, uh, advantage here. Firstly, you're recycling material that it would otherwise go to landfill, which mm -hmm. is yeah obvious direct sustainable benefits there. But in another way, you're also uh, in, a, in a tangential way almost you're you're resurrecting or helping prop up the slowly dying Australian manufacturing industry, which in itself helps sustainability because less imports from China, again, you know, less carbon. So if you were to, if you were to actually scale this up, um, this would have huge benefits for, for sustainability, wouldn't it? Yeah, look, absolutely. I think your question is spot on because I think to me, you know, the recycling benefits are the obvious ones, but the other um, reason why we talk about aligning recycling and manufacturing is precisely for that point that we know that at the scale at which we're talking about that it is possible to have these kinds of micro factories uh, imagined in a way that they are decentralized uh, systems. And, and of course, it means that you can actually have the scale that is fit for purpose. So it's not that everything always has to be always about economies of scale. Yes, some things will make sense on a large scale. But in this case, you can actually have it at the right scale. Therefore, your scale is where you've got economies of purpose rather than economies of scale. Um, if you see what I mean, that the economies of purpose in this case are that if I've got a regional area where I'm bringing in supplies of materials, but I also know that in that region, this is going to help me create more jobs. So the economies of purpose is basically enabling a local operator to go, you know what? I can afford to set up a micro factory. This is within reach for me. Uh, I'm not looking to be a giant mega producer, but for me, what's the right purpose here? And am I doing something that's right for the purpose? Because also it's about knowing your market. And so the market demand that you're gonna supply your products into, could well also be looking at what's feasible in that region. And look, you may define that to be a, a driving distance of you know, a few hours from where you might be located and you might you know, evaluate what that market is. So I think to me that purpose of why you're doing it is so important to bear in mind. And that's not to say you can't factor in growth, right? I mean, if you really wanted to grow because it's a modular setup, you can always add more modules later on. So that's a nice thing for a business is that you can start at the scale that's affordable, um, you know, create those market opportunities. But the most important point in there on sustainability is that it's actually shown that you've reduced your transport mileage. So you're not having to import products over long distances. But if you're not importing products from overseas, for example, then what you're doing is you're actually enabling local manufacturing to grow and thrive and be supported because as consumers, we would all rather buy those products that of course have been made by supporting local jobs. 
So I think to me, fundamentally, it comes right back to how we think about food, right? When we think about, you know, supporting our local growers um, and, and we go and buy produce from our local markets, I think to me, that mindset of saying, you know, can we actually support local manufacturers? Can we actually encourage local manufacturers by showing that we're excited about purchasing products that contain recycled content in it? So I think it, it works across a holistic sort of way of thinking and that mindset shift that we are having in this space in thinking about a materials revolution is saying we all need to play our part. These materials are valuable. They're too good to be thrown away. They actually should be seen as really useful resources for transforming them into engineered products. So I think you then get into that mindset of saying, you know what, it actually is not only recyclable, it can be reformed into high performance products. And that's really where the, the conversion of waste into value um, really becomes possible because it, it makes environmental sense, but it also makes economic sense. So you've done a lot of work with Mervac to date. Have any other companies out there or any other um, developers or, <clears throat> excuse me, um, infrastructure builders have shown any interest in, in, in your work? Uh, yeah, absolutely. In fact, I've got to say, uh, it's, uh, it's going to be interesting to see what the future unfolds, because I think, again, um, you know, from our perspective, we absolutely, you know, have got a fantastic partnership. We want to continue to work with Mervac and, and really every step of the way, um, we're really inspired by, you know, um, everyone in the organization, you know, and, and I've, you know, spoken to um, Mervac CEO, um, and, and she's so inspiring. I remember, you know, just, you know, listening to her vision of all the different kinds of things that um, she was hoping um, to, to really sort of achieve. I think to me that partnership has really grown uh, because I think, again, it just goes to show that, you know, we all have our common goals and, and if your goals and your vision is aligned, yes, they are a business and they have to deliver on the projects. But the fact that we are as part of their thinking able to provide that support in terms of bringing new innovative ideas and solutions to the table, um, you know, in a, in a big way actually is playing a part for us. And it's very humbling to know that because I think again, for any, any research organization in a university environment, you know, your ideas and everything else, great. You can do lab work and you can have it in the university setting, but that whole next big step that we've now taken in partnership with Mervac, uh, you know, has been absolutely critical for, for us. Um, and we all feel that in our, in our way, we've played a tiny little part in, uh, in you know, bringing some of these ideas to the table, but, but the warmth and, and the friendship and the collaboration and the partnership, everything that we've seen um, you know, from Mervac has been very inspiring. Because I think to me, that is so important. You know, the journey is never going to be easy. There are always going to be challenges along the way. And I think um, that's important that we do address the technical challenges, uh, that we do address challenges and not just look at it from a technical lens, but also that other important question of design and aesthetics and, and really having their input and guidance um, in shaping what has now become this uh, project that we've just delivered on um, is, is really important for us because also it gives us, um, you know, that confidence um, that, you know what, this is, uh, this is good stuff, you know? Um, yeah, we see it from our eyes, uh, but the fact that we see that 
um, that level of warmth and, and you know, confidence out of Mervac in them seeing this product as something that you would put in a home, in an apartment, I think says so much. So to me, um, you know, that feedback that they've often given us, you know, hey, can we have this in, in for example, a softer tone, for instance, uh, I think all of that has been very important uh, because they're seeing it from the, from the lens of people who are gonna be living in, in that home. So it's been a learning experience for us and we absolutely feel very humbled to be part of that uh, experience in as we've made it from an engineering point of view, um, but to have that um, you know, really important collaborative effort with Mervac to ultimately deliver a product that not only ticks the box from an engineering perspective, but also from an aesthetic point of view um, is so important because we're human beings, right? We've got both a head and a heart uh, we've, it's got to appeal to our head and our heart. And, and that's really why I think it's so important these collaborations have shown that it can be done and can deliver uh, truly engineered products uh, that are fit for purpose. I guess on the point of the future, will we ever live in a world where most of our waste in terms of, you know, the build industry at least will get reused? I, I think we definitely have to be positive and hopeful that we will have a future where you know, we all will see that the materials that are, of course, no longer in service um, still have value. They may not be fit for one purpose, but if they've come offline and they're no longer fit for one purpose, doesn't mean that it's, you know, now no longer useful because fundamentally, when you think about any material, you know, whether it's a ceramic or a metal, um, you know, or a polymer, what we have to think about is basically these materials, um, you know, have got those elements in it and at that very fundamental elemental level we know that if we can only imagine remanufacturing those those materials over and over again bring them back to life in different forms while fully being aware of the underpinning science and the engineering as we've been talking about then the transformation of materials into into different forms is something that people will start to see that I shouldn't just give up and shouldn't just sort of say, well, you know, this is, this is not recyclable, so it's just going to the tip. Um, I think we, we can do so much better than that. So yeah, absolutely. I've, I'm very positive and, and optimistic about the fact that as all of this collaboration has shown that there are so many people who want to collaborate and who are inspired by the work that Movac has done. So I think that's important. You know, you do want to seek inspiration from when you see others um, setting standards for best practice. And I think to me, that's really what inspiration should be. It's about inspiring other people with your actions um, is, is what we see with Mervac. So I'm pretty sure that um, they've probably inspired many, many more people than they, than they realize. Well, you've inspired me, Professor Vinisanishwala. So thank you very much for your time. Um, lovely to see you again. I know we'll, well, I will definitely talk to you again. So thank you very much. That was absolutely fascinating. Thank you. Thank you so much for your kind words. And I enjoyed our discussion. So thank you for having me. You've been listening to Talking Architecture and Design. Until next time, goodbye. I'm Branko Melodic, and thanks for listening to Talking Architecture and Design, brought to you in association with the Architecture and Design Network. You can catch up with news, projects, interviews, and much more at architectureanddesign.com.au where you can also subscribe to our newsletters and magazine.